We're going to be back in 1 Samuel, chapter number 3 tonight, exactly where we were this morning. And with God's help, I'd like to preach the second half of the message, Don't Fall Asleep. Don't Fall Asleep. We're going to take our text verse for tonight's half of the message out of chapter number 3 and verse 15. Chapter number 3 and verse 15. When y'all find that verse, just stand up all over the house. Chapter number 3, verse 15. We know that Samuel was given a vision, was given a message from God that some things were going to happen to the house of Eli and that God's judgment was going to fall and that God was going to raise him up as the next man of God, the next prophet of God. And Samuel, we find in verse number 15, the Bible says, And Samuel lay until the morning, and opened the doors of the house of the Lord, and Samuel feared to show Eli the vision. Let's pray for the second half of this message. Don't fall asleep. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for how you spoke to us this morning. God, thank you for all the Eli's that are in the room that have done their part to train up the next generation that have realized their calling and their words have power, God, and their instruction has power and their experiences in life have power and can make an impact on that next little Samuel, that next little preacher of God, that next little missionary of God, that next that little servant of God. God, I pray tonight for the Samuels in the room that don't know exactly, regardless if they're 10 years old or 100 years old, God, there may be a Samuel in this room that does not know and has not accepted the calling that you've placed on their life. God, I pray that you help them to find it. God, I hope that you help them to see you. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. This morning, we looked at... Uh, the calling of Samuel when he was there laying asleep and we looked at that synonymous voice that he heard and that that voice of Samuel, that voice of God that Samuel heard was synonymous with that voice of Eli that he had been working and doing and learning all the little tasks and all the little parts of how to work at the tabernacle and how to be a good priest and how to go through each of the sacraments and the sacrifices but we know that when the audible voice of the Lord called out to Samuel, he went running to Eli because Eli's voice had become God's voice to him. He didn't know any different. He hadn't heard it. He had never understood it. And we talked about how important Eli was in the upbringing of Samuel. Then we talked about the solemn vision that he would see. And we talked about how Eli could no longer hear the voice of God. He could not receive that vision. He could not receive that fresh anointing and that fresh mission from God. But uh, Samuel could hear it. Samuel could audibly hear the voice of God. He could receive the mission from God, but he didn't know how to interpret it. So it was just God put together that Eli and that Samuel to come together and be able to have one that had the knowledge and the experience and had the other one that had the vision and the anointing and put them together and move them forward for the glory of God. And then we saw the sacred vow that God actually told Samuel what was going to take place. He told Samuel back and by introduction this, morning, this evening, we're going to look back at exactly what, they told, what he told him. Uh, the Lord said in verse number 11 to Samuel, Behold, I will do a thing in Israel, which both I will do a thing in Israel at which both the ears of everyone in Israel, of everyone that heareth it, shall tingle. And that day I will perform against Eli all the things which I have spoken concerning his house. When I begin, I will also make an end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever. 
for the iniquity which he knoweth, because his sons made themselves vile, and he restrained them not. And therefore I have sworn unto his house, the house of Eli, that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be purged with sacrifice nor offering forever. Samuel has now seen the vision and heard the vow. Now tonight we will see what he does with it. He's got to stay awake. I saved this preaching for Sunday night because y'all can take it. All right? Because Sunday morning crowd, a lot of times they love hearing about the vision. They love hearing about God's plan. But when it comes time to do something about it, when it comes time to act on it, when it, start, when it comes time to do, as Brother Frank always says, walk the walk instead of talking the talk, that's when the Sunday morning crowd kind of backs up a little bit and the Sunday night crowd can kind of take this sort of preaching. And I understand that there's people that have reasons they can't be here on Sunday night and I understand and all those things and different things like that. But I'm excited to see what God's going to do tonight because what Samuel does with his calling is something that each and every one of us are called to do also. Tonight, first thing we're going to see is a scared visitor. Look at verse number 15 again. And Samuel lay until the morning. He hears this voice of God. God gives him this message, this vision. And the Bible says, and Samuel lay until the morning and opened the doors of the house of the Lord. And Samuel feared to show Eli the vision. First thing we have to understand here is that before we can look at Samuel's fear, we have to look at Eli's fear a little bit. Because Eli was scared because Eli had been told this by God several uh, <coughs> chapters earlier that this judgment would fall on Eli. And Eli knew that the punishment for his house's behavior, the punishment for his son's behavior and his failure to rebuke them, his failure to correct them, he knew that judgment was coming on his house. So all of a sudden there in the tabernacle, when he realized that God was no longer speaking with him, but God was starting to speak to Samuel, there's no doubt in Eli's heart there would have been a certain level of fear, not necessarily a fear that of the outcome, because he knew what the outcome would be, but there would be almost more of a fear of the unknown. We know here at the latter part of this verse that as soon as the doors of the tabernacle were open, as soon as the morning came, Eli was pursuing Samuel. And we know Eli would ask, what did he tell you? What did God show you? What did God say? Was it about me? And he begins to question, but that's Eli's fear. But we got to also look at Samuel. Was If Eli was scared, all right, the teenagers would say, Samuel was scared. -er -der 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 -der. All right. It says here very clearly in verse 15, And Samuel lay until the morning. It says he lay until the morning. It doesn't say he slept. Every other time we see Samuel laying down in these scriptures, it says he was asleep. And he went back to sleep. And he lay down and went back to sleep. But here after he's seen the vision, the Bible clearly teaches us that he lay there until morning. How many of you have ever done that? Laying there. Something's going on in your life. Something's happening with your babies. Something's happening with your grandbabies. Something's happening in your life. Something's happening at your job. Something's happening and you don't sleep. You lay. Because you're scared. You have fear. 
You don't know. The fear of the unknown sometimes outweighs our faith um, and sometimes causes us to not sleep peacefully with our head on our pillow, but to lay there and to toss and turn and wonder. Here, that's where we would find Samuel. The vision at this point had nothing to do with Samuel as far as the judgment was concerned. God very clearly told Samuel that Eli was the one in the hot seat. Eli was the one in hot water. Eli's house would be the one that judgment would come against. And Eli's sons would see the wrath of God poured out on them and Eli's home would be destroyed and we would know that terrible things in the next chapter were going to take place because of the sin of Eli. But even though it wasn't just affecting Eli, Samuel's laying there, scared to death. The man that had mentored him, the man that had raised him from a young boy when Hannah dropped him off on his doorstep, the man that had taught him everything he knew, the man that was a father to him, the man that would have taught him how to do everything he knew how to do, how to get up in the morning, how to get dressed, how to act, how to talk, how to speak to people, how to perform the duties there in the tabernacle. God has just told him to tell that man that judgment is coming to his home. I'd be scared to death. You'd be scared to death. And a lot of times we can identify and put ourselves right there in that very same bed. Not sleeping till morning, laying till morning. That's where Samuel was here in this moment. So Eli was scared. Samuel was scareder. And we're going to find out here in just a minute that together they were at peace. You see, Eli, when they have this conversation we're about to look at, Eli was about to teach Samuel a huge lesson. And it's a lesson that I keep learning the hard way over and over again. And God keeps beating me over the head with this and this lesson that Eli teaches Samuel. You see, look at verse number 17. And he said, what is the thing the Lord has said unto thee? I pray thee, hide it not from me. God suto, do so to thee. And more, so, more also, if thou hide my thing, anything from me of all the things that he said unto thee. And Samuel told him every whit. Samuel said, okay, Eli, I'll tell you. He's going to kill you. He's going to kill your sons. He's going to judge your house. There's not going to be a sacrifice that's going to be able to remake or repay you all the sins that have come out of your house. And the Lord's going to get you, Eli. I'm sorry. I don't know what to do. I'm scared. I haven't slept all night. Eli, let me tell you, this is going to be bad. This is going to be horrible. And look what happens. And he said, it is the Lord. Verse 18, the second half. It is the Lord. Let him do what seemeth him good. Hmm. Samuel's just lost an entire night of sleep. And Eli didn't bat an eye. It's the Lord, Samuel. Let him do what he says is good. That lesson that he just taught Samuel the one that I've been having to struggle so hard with? Acceptance. Acceptance. Sometimes the answer God gives is not the one we want to hear. Sometimes the mission and the calling God has for us is not the one we would have picked. Sometimes the time frame and the timeline of things we need to happen or we think we need to happen or we want to happen is not His way. His ways are higher than our ways. And here he would teach Samuel one final lesson in this scared moment, in this moment of uncertainty, in this moment where Samuel was terrified and Eli was scared of the unknown. He, hadn't, he didn't know what uh, Samuel had been told. And everybody's just on edge. And, and Eli calls him out and he says, Tell me, I pray thee, you got to tell me what God said. Tell me what God said. It climaxes. Okay, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. He's going to judge you. He's going to destroy your house. He's going to make sure that a new 
a fresh start has started and your sons are going to die and you're going to die and say, Eli, I'm so sorry. And it is the Lord. Let him do what he thinks is good. Samuel had just learned the final lesson he would learn from Eli. We can't change as an individual our circumstances a lot of times. We can't change what's going on out there. We can't change what people are doing. We can't change what people are saying. We can't change how people are treating each other. We can't change how vile and wicked people are behaving on social media. We can't change how vile and wicked people are behaving out in the, the stores and in the streets and in the riots and in the protests. And we cannot change those situations. God can. But we have to be willing to do it His way. To when He gives us the calling and the vision and the purpose in each and every one of our lives that He's called us to do, we've got to be willing to accept that His way may mean some stuff's got to get purged. Some people have disqualified themselves. Eli had disqualified himself from being able to go any further with God. And sometimes before you can get any of the good news, you've got to hear the bad news. And Eli would teach Samuel this lesson of acceptance, and we would go from a scared visitor to a strong victor. It's important to highlight here that God was not just calling Samuel to take Eli's place as a priest. You see, because a priest's job was to represent the people of God to God. A priest's duty was to go to the people of God and to receive their sacrifices, receive their lambs, receive their doves, receive their goats and rams and whatever they had brought to sacrifice, their bullocks, and take those animals and take those sacrifices and keep them all in order and keep record of who had sacrificed what and how, how outstanding people's balances are and all those different things and the 613 Judaic laws. And the priest's job was to make sure everybody was obeying God because it was their job to represent man up to God. That was Eli's job. But Samuel would be called to be a prophet. It was his job to represent God back to man. It was his job to hear the word of the Lord and receive vision and receive word from the Lord and simply tell the people of God what they were to do next. Not sit there and wait on them to decide, but to tell them what God had in store for them, what God would do for them, to tell them where to go, how to act, how to, what God thus saith the Lord. That's a prophet. It's important to understand the differences between those two callings. And understand that those two callings are still <clears throat> in effect today because we have a high priest, which cannot, that we do not have a high priest that cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but is in all ways was tested as we were, and in all ways tempted, and in all ways tried. You see, we have a high priest today whose name is Jesus, that when God looks for somebody to represent us, all He sees is the Lamb of God. When God looks for somebody to represent you, when God looks for somebody to represent Bryce, Bryce cannot represent himself. No preacher, pope, or principality can represent Bryce. But when, God, when Bryce comes to an altar, and Bryce lays his life down and professes and believes that the gospel of Jesus Christ, the only priest necessary to represent Bryce is Jesus Christ. Amen. We have that high priest that is still in the office today. 
We have a high priest. We no longer need the Pope. We no longer, we never needed the Pope, good Lord. We no longer need <coughs> uh, uh, some guy in a funny hat to tell us what to do or to forgive us of our sins. We don't need somebody to write a book to tell us how to live. God's already done it. God's already given us every instruction. And praise the Lord, when there was a transition from be a needing priest to a prophet, there was still <coughs> somebody promised long ahead that would be there to intermediate between man and God. So you say, we have a priest today. Do we have a prophet? Do we have somebody? We have somebody representing man to God. That's Jesus. But do we have somebody that can represent God back to man? His name is the Holy Spirit of God. His part of the deity is to be spiritual guidance to you and to me to live and indwell each and every one of us and to show us what God has already said, what God has promised, what God will perform, and what God will do in each and every one of our lives. So this distinction that we have of Eli and Samuel being priest, transitioning to prophet, don't wash that away. Don't say, well, we don't have people like that anymore. We don't need people like that anymore. The Bible is very clear that uh, prophesying and, and saying new things and Predicting the future and all those things, those have ceased. Those have gone away. Those gifts are no longer active. But we have a clear, complete, inspired, preserved, B-I-B-L-E. And you and I are indwelt with the Holy Spirit of God to guide us through that. And you and I have a priest, have an advocate, one, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, advocating on our behalf, intermediating between us and the Father, praying for us. So every excuse Samuel had went out the window when God said, hey, I'm going to be with you. What more do you need? Every excuse we have goes out the window when Jesus tells us, I'm going to be with you, whatever you need. I'm going to give you my word. I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit. I'm going to send the comforter unto you. Make sure that you're okay. Make sure you've got what you needed. And Samuel would see victory in this. Number one, victorious growth. Look at verse 19a. Look what happens to Samuel after he starts walking, after he starts marching. And Samuel grew. Victorious growth is as simple as this. Start walking with God and you'll grow. Start walking with God in prayer and you'll grow. Start walking with God in Scripture and you'll grow. Start walking with God in your daily life, in your daily ministry, in your daily activities, and you'll grow. Nobody stands next to the vine as a branch and doesn't get any bigger. Nobody stands next to the sun and feels and walks and dwells in His light and doesn't grow any taller. Walking and talking with Jesus, walking and talking and in, with your indwelt Holy Spirit will produce growth if you walk with Him, if you talk with Him, if you move with Him. Because guess what? God's marching on. God's church is moving. God's church is alive. If you choose to sit down, dry up, and be dead, that's where you'll stay. That's where you'll stay. And he said, I am the vine. Ye are the branches. Sometimes we get so caught up in looking at all the branches, and we start looking at all the fruit coming off of the branches, and we got a hold of the vine over here, but we're looking out at, at his fruit and her fruit and his fruit and her fruit. And we start wondering, why, why don't I have any fruit? I, I want fruit like this. And, and I, I, want, I want a ministry like this. And I want to be blessed like this. What have I done? I've let go of the vine. I've started focusing on the fruit rather than staying grounded 
and staying firmly planted in Jesus and the vine. Because if I'll do that, if I'll just hold to the vine, guess what? I'm going to grow, I'm going to grow, I'm going to grow, I'm going to grow, and then the fruit's going to start to come in my life. The blessings are going to start to fall in my life. And everything's not going to be all sunshine and rainbows and baskets of roses like you hear on TV. But when the trials come, you got a hold of the vine. When the fruit is produced, you got a hold of the vine. When people ask you, how, how in the world is, how, have all these blessings befell you at, all, at a young age? How in the world have you been able to accomplish this? How in the world is your family, your kids so well behaved? How in the world did you get such a beautiful wife? How in the world did all this happen? Hey, I got a hold of the vine. I got a hold of the vine. It ain't got nothing to do with me. It ain't got nothing to do with my abilities. It ain't got nothing to do with anything you can do or I can do. It's all about growing in Him. We see victorious growth. We see victorious speech. Look at verse number 19 again. I love this verse. And Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and did let none of his words fall to the ground. Did let none of his words fall to the ground. When you walk with God long enough, his words start to become your words. Think about that. When you walk with God long enough, you spend enough time in prayer, you spend enough time in Scripture, His words start to become your words. You start to realize how much of a waste of time it is to try to tell somebody what you think. And you realize how much more beneficial it can be to tell somebody what God thinks. You start realizing that people could care less what you say, but if you'll start telling them a little bit about what God's already said, you'll see a little bit more fruit there. You'll see a little bit more growth there. When Samuel started walking, when Samuel started ministering, when Samuel started following God, it says, God, let none of his words fall to the ground. How come I keep beating my head against the wall with my kids? How come I keep beating my head against the wall with my husband? How come I keep beating my head against the wall with my wife, I, with my coworkers, with my boss? It seems like every time I open my mouth and try to tell them what I think and try to tell them how I feel and try to tell them what I think they should do and try to tell them where I think they should go, they don't listen to me. They'll listen to God. But you've got to be able to tell him what he's already said. You've got to be able to tell him what he thinks about it. I'm the preacher at Bass Pro Shops, and I'm one of the employees there. And sometimes that can be a great thing, and that can be, in the flesh, an annoying thing. Because every time somebody wants to hear an opinion, that they just want to, you know, you, you know, with some of these people that they just love to argue, they wake up in the morning, they just want to argue with people. And they say, that's the preacher over there. I bet he'll argue with me about this. And they say, what do you think about homosexuality? What, what do you think about abortion? What, what, I already know what you think. What do you think about this? You got one of them Jesus signs in your front yard. You got one of them Jesus fish on your back. I'm going to ask you. This is going to be good. I'm going to fight with you. You got Christian on your social media page. I'm going to comment on your post. I want to. What do you think? You know what I love giving them? I don't get to have an opinion on that. I didn't create male and female. God did. I don't get to have an opinion on an abortion. I didn't create life in the womb. God did. Now, I'm going to tell you what he says about it. And I know what he says about it because I've studied his Bible. I've studied his message. I've studied his word. And if you've got an issue with anything I'm about to say, take it up with him. You know what they do? Oh, you ain't even worth But now what have I done? I've protected my testimony because I didn't get mean and nasty and in the flesh and fight and bicker. Because and, guess what? I'm sorry to tell you all. Nothing you post on Facebook 
Nancy Pelosi's going to wake up in the morning and read and go, I saw, I've seen the light now. I know some of y'all were really pushing. I know nothing you gossip about at the tea in the mercantile is going to make that wretched sinner just like me out there living unrighteous go, you know what? They've been gossiping about me so hard over at the, what's this place in East Ridge? I'm not allowed in there. Y'all go out to eat there. Epicurean. They've all been gossiping about me down at the Epicurean, how I ain't living right. I'm going to change. I'm going to start living for Jesus. It ain't going to work. But you start telling them about what God said. You start telling them about how much God loves them. You start telling them the words of God. You start walking so closely with God. When you encounter these people, when these people encounter you, the words that you would want to say don't even appear there. We know as a promise from Scripture that upon getting the Comforter, upon receiving the Holy Spirit, that the Comforter will call into remembrance all the things which I've taught you. That's what He told the disciples. You don't have to worry about trying to remember everything I've said, Peter. You don't have to worry about trying to remember everything I've said, Paul. You don't have to remember trying to remember everything I said, Thomas, you don't have to remember trying to everything I've said, every, every quote I've made. You don't have to try to memorize it. You stay close to me. I'm going to send a comforter unto you. You stay close with him. And when you get in the situations, he will give you the words to say. He will give you the words to preach. He will give you the words to teach. But if we leave him at home, it's hard to hear him, isn't it? If we get on Facebook and leave him in the other room with the door locked so we can have our scroll time, we might not be saying what he'd have us to say. I'm put my plug in on social media. When people go to your social media page, do they see a Christian or a Republican? When people go to your uh, social media page, do they see a Christian or a Democrat? When they go to your social media page, do they see a Christian or a fanatic of some fill-in-the-blank, something you enjoy on social media? If you're going to take part in social media, at least use it for the glory of God. If you're going to take part in socializing and being a part, that's great. There's nothing wrong with that. There's people that have been saved through Facebook. Don't get me wrong. There's people that have been saved through Twitter. There's people that have been saved through Instagram. God's used those ministries, but He's only been able to use those ministries by using the people involved in them. And if you don't use it for the right reasons, you're not being used of God to use it. I've heard it said like this. Rehab clinics and social media companies are the only two things that call their clients users. Think about that. Rehab clinics and social media companies, they're the only two places in the world that call their company, their, their clients, users. We ought to be using it if we, if we feel led to, but we need to use it for the glory of God. It's my commercial on social media. And a victorious society, verse 20, And all Israel from Dan even to Beersheba knew that Samuel was established to be a prophet of the Lord. The nation had them a new preacher man. It says, In all Israel, when Samuel began to fulfill his calling and to preach and to teach, hear from God, share, thus saith the Lord, it didn't just bring victory to Samuel. It didn't just bring victory to those who would hear his immediate speech. It brought victory to the nation. 
Because they realize, hey, God is still on the throne. God's still talking to old Samuel. God's got him a preacher man. God's got him a voice. And we'll find out in the next chapter, if you study it out, that Israel had to go through some things and they had to lose some battles. And, and uh, old Eli's house would be dealt with through that. But we would know that uh, the ark would be returned and that things would start moving in the right direction. And Israel, as we know through Israel's history, would turn back again and fall again. But God never left them. He said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. He meant it when he said it. So we had a scared visitor, a strong victor. And lastly, and we'll close with this, a sought visitation. A sought Visitation. I know y'all have been thinking this whole thing's been about Eli and Samuel. But we came through two services to get to this point right here. So don't fall asleep. Wake up. We came through a Sunday morning and a Sunday evening to get to these last couple of verses. Notice this. Notice this. And the Lord appeared again in Shiloh. For the Lord revealed Himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. Why did you go through this whole process of preaching about Eli and Samuel to a bunch of people that come to church regularly and come to church and they serve and they work? Why did you spend this whole time preaching about this? Go back and look with me at verse 1. And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was precious or scarce in those days, and there was no open vision. God used the Eli's and the Samuels to take a place where the power, presence, and pursuit of God was gone, was flickering. A place which we admitted this morning is where much of the church is right now. Not every church, but much of the church by and large is in a place that God never intended them to be in. Dead, dried up, despaired, and in distress. And here at the end of the chapter... Through the calling and ministry of Samuel and Eli, verse 21 says, And the Lord appeared again in Shiloh. And the Lord revealed Himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. Y'all thought this was about Samuel. Y'all thought this was about Eli. But what these messages were truly about and what your Bible is about, what God is trying to do is reveal Himself and make Himself real to His people. In a day and hour where people say there is no God, where men say that we want God out of our nation, where people say God's Word is no longer going to be the authority at our church, we're going to rewrite the constitutions, we're going to retitle the names, we're going to wipe the stuff off the sign and just be a place that doesn't stick to those old statutes of the Bible and doesn't stick to the things that God has said in a world where there is no open vision and people aren't freely able to go and talk about Jesus and share Jesus, where people are being arrested and in other countries and people are being persecuted in prison in a world where the light of the church by and large is fading dimmer and dimmer, where the word of the Lord is scarce, where there's very few preachers in pulpits preaching it like they ought to be preaching it, preaching it with a fire, preaching it with a fervence, preaching it with a calling on their lives. Instead, they stand and they want to please people. They want to make everybody happy. They want to sugarcoat it in a world where Christians have no problem singing, shouting, praising at the ball field, where Christians have no problem going and, and taking part in all the carnal things, taking part in all the crazy things, taking part in all the worldly things, but when they come to their places on Sunday morning, they're dead, they're dry, they're sleepy, they're tired, they give God second place. And a day where that came, God used this whole situation to return His presence there to that place, that place in Shiloh. This whole situation. 
Eli and Samuel. The whole purpose of it was so that God could reveal himself again. You know what they call that in the dispensation of grace? Revival. Revival. God used Eli. And God would use Samuel. And God could use you. And God could use me. And God could use Anchor of Hope to be a center, to be a called place where God could send revival. Oh, haven't you read Revelations, preacher? Haven't you read the end of the story? God's not going to... They said there's going to be a falling away. God said there's not going to be a a great awakening. God said there's not going to be a great revival. Well, there may not be a worldwide one. There may not be a nationwide one. But there can be a personal one. There can be a local church one. There can be one... Praise God if y'all just get a hold of this. That if God was done with us, we would not be here. If God did not want to use the local church, if God did not want to revive Himself through the local church, if God did not want to breathe life into the local church, the local church would be gone. We'd be in heaven. We'd be singing His praises for all eternity. But we're still here. God send revival. God send revival. God send His presence. The presence of God returned. When they woke up, when they got back in line... God's presence returned. Sometimes I get sick thinking about how churches, Sunday in, Sunday out, they meet and the presence of God's not there. They meet out of tradition. They meet out of going through the motions. But I've been in services recently here, different places where the presence of God is so real you can, almost, you can almost reach out and grab it. Where He's working in His people and working in the hearts of His people. God's presence came back to Shiloh because a couple of guys woke up and started doing what they were supposed to do. The power of God returned. Samuel had a heaven, heavenly IV line right in with the Father. And he let none of his words fall to the ground. And we know Samuel would go on to do great and mighty things for God simply because he woke up and he answered the call. The people of God returned. Flip over with me to chapter 6, verse 20. And we'll close with this. Chapter 5, Israel's dealt with. The house of Eli is dealt with. We know that. God wasn't kidding when he said judgment would befall Eli. We know Eli's two sons died. He died all on the same day. And here we find chapter number 6, verse 20. And the men of Bethshemesh said, Who is able to stand before this holy Lord God? And to whom shall he go up from us? You know what that verse says? Our God wins. Our God reigns. No one can take him. No one can vote him out. No one can snuff him out. No one can silence his message. No one can silence his words. No one can silence his preachers. Then are we seeking him for revival? It'll all happen when we wake up. And on an individual basis... We start realizing, what has God called me to do? Some of you could be an Eli. 
Some of you could be a Samuel. Some of you could be a young David that would come. Some of you could be a young Solomon. Some of you could be it's like some of these judges like Esther and all these different ones that came and, and were there for such a time as this. Some of you could be ones that God could use to minister sin, revival to a local church, sin, revival to a state, sin, revival to a nation, all because you wake up. Some of you say, oh, there's no way God could ever use me. That's exactly who he's looking for. That's exactly who he's looking for. He's looking for somebody that is so empty that he can fill. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Samuel. Thank you for Eli. Lord God, thank you for your word that we see through these ups and downs of the book of Judges all the way up leading into the book of 1 Samuel, God, that all you ever wanted to do was be present with your people, to reveal your presence to your people. God, I pray that you help us all to see that that is still what you are trying to do. That through your Holy Spirit, it is always your will to help your people grow closer to you, help your people acknowledge their callings in your ministry, God, and for your kingdom. God, let us all not forget if we were through, if God was done with us, we would not be here. God, help us to look for revival, seek your face, repent and pray. God, let us all on an individual level wake up and answer the call. God, I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.